Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upburnfrisco.com. It was just, uh, it was wonderful to worship him again with you tonight, and um, we have a lot to, to celebrate. I wanted to um, just make mention, I, th- I think that it's notable that there's a new king in England, right? There hasn't been a king on the throne in a long time. And um, in Revelation, uh, John the Revelator lets us know through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are now a, we have been made kings and priests to our God. And there are kings on earth that actually have that rank, like uh, King Charles. But there is a king of kings, right? And that forever, no matter how high, you know, someone gets in their rank on earth, there is a name that is above every other name. And he is, the, he is our king. He is the Lord of lords. He is a good leader, a good shepherd, and his kingdom reigns forever. And I just wanted to, to acknowledge his lordship and kingship with you all tonight. And um, also, I wanted to let you guys know that uh, not only have we closed on the new children's space next door with our lease, but I got the keys. <laughs> so it's a, it's a really exciting time. Um, I know a lot of y'all are faithful evening service attendees, but <laughs> our, uh, our morning service, if you haven't been there, it's, it's just packed. Um, there's, there was 400, there's 420-something people here today. This morning, and so our children's space fits 80 kids, but 140 kids were trying to be registered into a space that fits 80. And so, with getting this new space next door, it's another 6,000 square feet, uh, which will pretty much double our capacity for kids. At least that's what it, it appears it'll, it's going to do. And so, we finally have room for our kids, and there was much rejoicing in the saints. And <laughs> So it's a, it's a big day, and um, I, have a, I have a short word uh, message that I want to share with you guys tonight, and then afterwards, um, I want to open it up, and you can tour it. We'll just have it open for like 10 minutes. We can walk through anyone who uh, wants to see it or, or fellowship. Um, so, you know, the reason that we expanded is because... Um, we were seeking the Lord as uh, as a leadership team together, and there's this verse in Acts where a decision had to be made, and uh, it says in there that it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit that we should. And I love that phrase because it engages both our spirit of wisdom that's been given to us and the spirit of revelation that's been given to us. Does that make sense? And so as a team, we, um, we were thinking through the numbers and thinking through the logistics and is this a wise decision and how much risk are we taking on? And at the same time, we're listening to the Holy Spirit because he, he loves that we're discussing these things and weighing these decisions, but he also has the final say. And it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit to move forward with this lease. And actually, hopefully, we intend to uh, try to purchase that space uh, someday and hopefully really soon unless um, it just becomes apparent that we are not going to fit in this building at all and, um, and the Lord opens up another pathway for us. But I wanted to invite you into um, a little bit of the prophetic journey 
uh, of the church. And I call it a prophetic journey because we very much are submitting our ideas and our choices to the Holy Spirit, wanting him to speak. He's a good shepherd, and his sheep know his voice. Knowing his voice is basically the most simple definition of the prophetic. If you can hear or feel or sense his heart and communicate it, that's prophetic. And so sometimes his voice is a whisper, and sometimes it is a trumpet. And sometimes his leading is like breadcrumbs, and sometimes it's like neon flashing signs, right? And so um, at the beginning of this year in January, I was sent a dream uh, from a guy named Ryan Crowell, who has been part of our church since the very formation and he's highly prophetic, you know, on, this, on the, the moving scale of prophecy, he's way up there. And he had this dream where we were renovating our building in the fall, and this was in January before we had even thought the idea of taking over the space next door, before we had even approached the neighbors about moving into that space, he has this dream, and here we are in the fall, and he texted me the other day. He's like, do you remember that dream? I was like, man, you've sent me several dreams. Like, you're gonna have to help me. And he, he pulled it out because he, um, he emails himself his prophetic words so that they're time-stamped and he can find them really easy with like a keyword search. And he sent me the dream and I'm like, that is so stinking accurate because as we're heading into the fall, not only are we expanding and taking over that space, but some of these internal walls have to come down to make room for the adults. And so it was just another encouraging confirmation, a prophetic confirmation um, from the Lord. You know, there's this, there's this myth in modern church, uh, or maybe it's just a, a, a phrase that I think is um, less than helpful. And we've probably heard some, um, you know, some form of this phrase before, and it's seek the giver, not the gifts. And I understand that. Like, there's no greater thing than the beauty of Christ. Paul, Paul puts, you know, just knowing him above every other thing. You know, every, every other thing is rubbish compared to just this one thing, knowing you. And, you know, the, uh, the reality of the one thing reality, this one thing that we seek, you know, is to see your face and dwell in your courts. Like, we all understand there's nothing better than that. But to say that we... We, only, we seek the giver and not the gifts actually um, contradicts the heart of Paul several times, and I think it contradicts the heart of Jesus because he loves to give good gifts to his children, and often it is, the, it is the gifts that he gives that lead us to him. None of us came to him out of selfless reasons, right? Seriously. We all had something like a prodigal moment where we remembered wait a minute, it's way better back at dad's house because there's plenty of food and he's good to everyone. And then so you, you turn from the pig pen and head back to the palace, right? You're hoping for a pardon and Papa throws you a party, right? He's good like that. His gifts are meant to lead, the gifts are meant to lead us to the giver. In fact, um, the phrase gifts of the spirit or, or spiritual gifts, if you see that anywhere in the New Testament, it is... Uh, interchangeable with manifestations of the Spirit. They are synonymous. So in other words, when we are prophesying, when we're communicating the Lord's heart, we're not just doing a cool thing, we're manifesting a great king. 
Like, we're not just showing off or like, here's my gift and my box of tricks. It's no, you're actually representing Christ to someone. We are the image of Christ on the earth. And so when we're communicating his heart through something like the prophetic, people actually get to see a right, represent, a right representation of him. Are you all tracking with me? So the phrase, seek the giver and not the gifts, one of the places that I, that I feel like it, it uh, contradicts Paul's heart is in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love. Yes, like above all, love. And earnestly desire. Can you all say earnestly desire? Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So that, that's not a seek the giver and not the gifts kind of statement. That's uh, in, quite the opposite. In fact, earnestly desire can just as easily be translated as zealously covet. There's a or fiery long for, fiery with a fire desire that you'd be able to prophesy. And actually, let's read on. The next verse says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. I will say, unless there's a, an interpreter, which is a really important gift that is coming back to the body in a big way. No one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Verse 3, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for, oh, wow, ESV, upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. I like strengthening encouragement and comfort. Or if you like the old King Jimmy, it's edification, exhortation, and consolation. Um, they're three very good things. It doesn't say there that everyone who prophesies speaks to men for exposing, embarrassing, and rebuking, does it? No, it, it, it's, it's revealing God's heart for people. And now I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with a, a, a well-timed, from the heart of love, rebuke to a friend. Um, but your level of connection and trust will de determine your level of ability to, re to rebuke someone. A wise man receives a rebuke and gets wiser. But in a public setting, it is not the heart of God to embarrass or expose. So like in, in Upper Room Frisco, I would never allow someone to prophesy in a way that embarrasses someone. It's just, I don't think it lines up with the heart of God whatsoever, because he, he doesn't put people to shame. Amen? We can avoid a lot of the messes of what people presume to be the prophetic ministry by sticking to strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. I want to tell you guys why I'm really glad. One of the reasons I'm really glad I went to a school that trained me to earnestly desire to prophesy. I went to uh, a wild wheels off ministry school, like where we just worship so big and loud, and two thousand people would come out to our prophetic conferences, and it was uh, it was an incredible time. And uh, the leaders there really trained us to to hear from God. In fact, we didn't just learn um, doctrine and Bible and, and hear from great people. Every three months, we were sent out on faith missions where we were given a list of miracles we had to perform and come back with recorded testimonies of the random, like, prophesy over a Muslim 
the heart of Jesus for him and see him come to the Lord. That was one of the requirements. Go to a bus stop and get an accurate word of knowledge for healing for a stranger. Lay hands on them, get, have them healed, and then record their testimony of them you know, describing the prophetic word and the healing that just occurred. And you had to come back to school with these. So uh, it, like, I'm just trying to describe to you just how wild this, this school was. And I was, I'm so grateful that they instilled in me such a, a high value of, uh, for the prophetic for so many reasons, but um, here's one story. Ashley and I, we, we took our, at this time we only had four kids, we didn't have our fifth yet, but we took our, our four kids to uh, this awesome vacation in Mexico, this great beach house in like a, a gated community, we're right on the water, and it's this modern, cool house with a straw roof, and and it was just, it was extravagant, and it was wonderful. It was a huge blessing. And uh, it was big enough that we all kind of had our own rooms, except for two of our, our daughters were sleeping in one room together. And um, we went to sleep this one night. I, can't, I think it was like the second night we were there. And um, I woke up before the sun. Now, I want you to know, Jeremy doesn't wake up before the sun on vacation, okay? It's, I'm going to sleep. But I woke up, I think it was like 4.30 or 5 a.m., and I was haunted by the vision of a scorpion. And so I, I was just compelled out of bed, and I thought to myself, I have to check the kids' rooms. And again, this is a really, it's a really nice house. It's not the kind of place where you think there's going to be scorpions crawling around here. So I go into my the room where two of my daughters are sleeping, and um, I'm going in so quiet because I don't want to wake them up because I would ruin the whole morning for everyone. And, um, <laughs> and I see Evelyn. Uh, at this time, she was like seven years old. I see her favorite T-shirt laying next to her bed. And it was a season in her life where this really was her favorite shirt. She would wear it several days in a row. Uh, it's a, and so I, I went over to it, and I picked it up, and there was no scorpion and I shook it, and a huge scorpion falls out. And its tail is just going everywhere, and spawn of Satan. And uh, <laughs> adrenaline, you know, hits you and hit me in that moment, as you can imagine, as a dad. And I, like, I run around, I, I find, like, a Tupperware, and I, I, and I, and I enclose the thing, and because uh, I want to save it and show the kids um, later, you know, what dad had done for them. <laughs> And it would be a cool story because I woke up before the sun because the Holy Spirit woke me up. And I started to think about if she would have just put on that shirt, it could have stung her anywhere. And, and who knows what kind of damage it could have done to that. I mean, she's such a petite little seven-year-old. And I just was so grateful and over, overcome and thank, just thankful that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would wake me up with an overcoming like urge to search for scorpions because it saved my daughter tremendous pain. That's the prophetic. Now that's a really like that's a really intense story. That's like a once in a lifetime or once in a decade kind of confirmation from God, but he speaks to us in big and small ways um, every single day. Um, who in here has ever had a, a dream from God? 
keep your hands up. If, if you had a dream from God that uh, caused you to make a, a decision or a life-altering decision, yeah, that's awesome. Y'all are weirdos just like me. And so <laughs> anyone in here ever had a vision? You know, that you, yes, visions. They're there are inheritance in the Lord. What about trances? Anyone think that they fell into a trance? Hey, you know, the most famous trance, let me say it like this. You're in this room most likely because a hot-headed fisherman fell into a trance 2,000 years ago. Peter, when they were trying to decide if the gospel should go to the Gentiles, which is us, unless you're a Jew, and I would love to know you, um, The gospel, they were trying to decide if the, if the gospel should go to the Gentiles, and Peter falls into a trance, and he knows from the Lord, yes! So most likely, we are sitting in these chairs because of one man's trance. Isn't that awesome? So I, I'm saying these things because I want our value for the prophetic to be stirred you know, as I'm talking, but if you've ever had a, a vision from God before, then you are in the company of the likes of Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, Nathan, Eliphaz, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel, Amos, Zechariah, Paul, Ananias, Cornelius, Peter, and John. So it's, and, and really it should, be, it should be normal in our culture. Um, there, there's a vast difference between the ancient Hebrew mindset and modern Western American mindset. So much so that when uh, John the Baptist's dad, he went into the temple, you know, he went to church, he went into the temple, uh, he encountered an angel and came out and couldn't speak. And everyone immediately assumed that he had had a vision from God. Did you ever catch that? Everyone just thought, oh, he must have encountered an angel or you know, God himself or had some vision. If someone came to church today and came out not speaking, we would have assumed that they had a stroke or some sort of other physical malady. We wouldn't have just gone straight to, oh, he saw an angel, right? But it was normal. Even when uh, you know, Peter was uh, locked up and everyone was praying for his uh, escape from prison and that he'd be safe from harm, and angels showed up, delivered him from jail, and he goes and knocks on the doors of the disciples, and a girl answers the door and runs back in and says, Peter's at the door, and everyone assumes, instead of Peter escaped, they all assumed, oh, that's just Peter's angel. Y'all ever catch that? It was just normal for people to have a a paradigm where spiritual encounters were were the norm. Um, you know, when we're getting glimpses into the spirit, some of them are, are fairly clear and, and some of them need interpretation. Um, but, you know, because we, according to 1 Corinthians 13, we see in part in this phase of history. We see in part and we know in part. But when perfection comes, when we see him face to face, we're going to fully know him as we are fully known. Isn't that exciting? Like, I'm so looking forward to fully knowing him as I've always been fully known to him. But that's linked to the coming age when we all see him clearly face to face and and not through a mirror dimly as we do in this season. Um, But what I'm trying to say is that uh, our spiritual sight is, is, is the prophetic. 
In fact, there are 26 times in the Old Testament when prophets were referred to as seer, S-E-E-R. So there is a clear link between an internal sight and operating in the prophetic. In fact, in 1 Samuel 9.9, it says that formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, come let us go to the seer, for today's prophet was formerly called a seer. And so prophet uh, was, just became the in vogue word. You know how like vocabulary language changes over time. Prophet used to just be seer, which means that um, I started just to, to think about the different kinds of sight. And, um, and, and I, I have these four for you just as like helpful tools to help you remember different kinds of functioning in the prophetic. And so there are four different sites that I can think of. And what, the first one is insight, and then there's foresight, there's oversight, and hindsight. So prophetic insight. Um, let's say um, one of your friends is acting out of the ordinary and is just like manifesting the spirit of jerk on you. And <clears throat> you see the situation, your, your friend is being mean, you know, or just you know, not acting like themselves. And you can, you can do one of two things. You can go to them and say, man, what's your problem? Like, you've just been mean, like, for the last two weeks. Like, what is going on? Or you can go to the Lord, and you can ask, Lord, what's going on? Because the Lord sees the heart, right? And so maybe the Lord says, well, he, he got, he's triggered from this past wound. Uh, you happen to be part of the triggering process, if you go to him and just, you know, humbly and say that, and so you go to him, and, you, and instead of saying, dude, you're a jerk, you say, hey, I've noticed that you just, you seem on edge, and I feel like something happened in your past, and when we had this discussion, you know, it just triggered something, and I just want to apologize, because you're, your connection with me is more important than my offense. And suddenly the person's weeping because the Holy Spirit showed you an actual wound in their heart. That would be insight. You saw into a situation, right? What's another word for a prophetic insight? Discernment, right? We can discern you know, a root cause of a manifestation. We can discern a spirit behind a behavior. Okay, another type of sight Talking about the prophetic here is foresight. This is probably the most uh, commonly understood, especially with like Old Testament prophets. They would prophesy a coming season or event, uh, often debacles that were headed uh, towards the, the nation of Israel. Um, and so I would say that you know prophetic foresight is awesome um, if you're a stockbroker for sure. Wouldn't that be rad? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's all, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of ways the Lord wants to talk to us about the future, but um, a New Testament prophet, a new covenant prophet, right? We prophesy for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort, right? And so if we see a hard thing coming, then if we're a real prophet, we don't just say that a hard thing is coming. We have the ability to inject courage into people's hearts about the coming situation, right? Okay, so prophetic oversight, um, just the term, just pull the word apart. If you 
are lifted up over, then you have a different view of a situation. Kind of like if um, you were the general of an army, you would want to get to a high spot to see what the opposing army is planning on doing. Because if you stay just on ground level, all you can see is one dimensional. And you might just see one you know, rank of opposition in front of you and not know that there's archers further behind them and there's uh, horsemen you know, behind those woods over there. And so to have prophetic oversight means that you uh, are able to strategically position people in the army of the Lord that best suit their abilities and anointings and callings. It's, prophetic oversight is incredibly important for apostles uh, to anoint and appoint people into proper roles. Y'all hanging with me? Okay. Okay, so the fourth one, prophetic hindsight. I didn't used to include this because it's like in the past, but then uh, I, I started to understand more and more just how important it is to be able to interpret history through the eyes of the Holy Spirit or look back on your own life and see how the Lord is moving and, and mine treasures from those lessons learned. And I'm not saying that we in a detrimental or self-loathing way, look on the past, because even Paul says, this one thing I do, forget what lies behind and press on towards what's ahead. And so there's a proper balance of letting go of things, no condemnation and no shame. But through the eyes of no condemnation and no shame, we can look back and learn amazing things that the Holy Spirit was teaching us along the way through proper self-reflection. Um, and also just to be able to interpret history in general through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, church history and, and wars and, and how nations and movements have started. Um, Stephen did this in Acts chapter 7. It got him in a lot of trouble, and he's now in the great cloud of witnesses. Um, but he began to interpret history through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. And he went all the way back. I mean, he, he just goes and goes and goes and goes and preaches to them Jesus from like way back. And, and then he's, you know, he turns it on them and basically says the same way they killed the prophets of old, you killed them. And, the, you know, and that's when he you know, gets martyred. But I wanted to encourage you guys that um, there's, there's one time that we are promised to be filled with the Holy Spirit in, in the Gospels. And actually, all four. There's one time where it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Do you know when? When you're in the face of a hostile audience, don't worry about what you'll say, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you the words. So uh, in this moment, Stephen gets filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to prophesy. He gives prophetic testimony to Jesus in the face of a hostile audience, which is actually a temporary, repeatable empowerment of the Lord for the saints. So if you want to find out what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit... <laughs> I'm not telling you to do this, but it is a promise from Scripture that when you are faced with that kind of persecution, that kind of hostility, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Um, a type of sight that I did not mention is parasite, because <laughs> the church doesn't need any parasites, okay? Um, <clears throat> sometimes people who uh, have, have grown up in a misrepresentation of the prophetic tend to think that it's their job to go around telling churches what they're doing wrong. 
And, um, and they rarely actually have a, a community where they are a vital part of it, where they are part of the body. They're going from place to place, pointing out the things that are wrong. And there's a lot of things wrong with that. First of all, you don't need to be prophetic to tell people what's wrong with them. You just need a working eyeball and a critical spirit. But to speak strengthening encouragement and comfort into messes, into messy churches, that is actually a real prophet. And, um, you know, if the prophet is the seer, the prophet is like the eyes of the body, if we're using the metaphor of a body made up of many parts, the prophet would most likely be the eyeballs, right? Um, The body doesn't need the eyes to survive, right? There's plenty of blind people, and they don't have the ability to see, but they still live perfectly good lives, and and, uh, they miss out on things, but they can live a long, wonderful life without the ability to see. But the eye can't survive without the body. The opposite isn't true. So the body doesn't need the eyes. The eyes need the body. Say it again for the back. Um, Um, I would say that that Paul begins to, he he really taps into this reality with his prayer when he he prays that the eyes of our hearts would be open. Um, So did you guys know that your your ticker has peepers? Like your heart, (laughs) your heart has eyes, right? (laughs) I said it in a weird way so that we remember it. Your heart (laughs) has eyes. And your face has eyes. I know this is Captain Obvious, preacher at night. But the eyes of your face see faces. The eyes of your heart see hearts. So when the eyes of our hearts are open, we can see the hearts of the people around us, and we can see the heart of the Lord and accurately prophesy and communicate his heart to other people. Amen? Let me pray for us, and then we can go check out the space next door. Father, thank you for the manifestations of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I pray, God, that you would increase our ability to hear and communicate you. You're a good shepherd, a good leader. So I pray that um, we would begin to realize your goodness and the good ways that you are leading us and the good ways that you're leading our church. I pray for an increase of dreams and visions and trances and angelic encounters and everything that falls under the realm of the prophetic. I pray for an increase of the gift of words of knowledge, the gift of words of wisdom, the gift of discernment, the gift of interpretation of dreams, the gift of interpretation of tongues. For every revelatory gift, we pray that you would increase it in our lives, Lord. Thank you that you've made us uh, superheroes just like you, Jesus that we get to represent you to this world. We pray that you would open our hearts to receive your affection in new ways, new powerful ways this week. In Jesus' name, amen.